Hey everyone, this is Jason from the Rams Review Podcast. Just before we get stuck into the episode, I want to take a quick moment to promote something us here at the Rams Review Podcast are very passionate about, the Fan Hub app. Football without fans is nothing. That's why Fan Hub is on a mission to put fans first. This app is now available on Apple and Google stores. The Fan Hub app has lots of fun things for fans of football to do, including competing against fellow fans in predicting lineups and checking on match days. Also, lots of real fan media content for each club, including us here at the Rams Review Podcast for Derby County. Download it today and be part of putting fans first. Currently, there is a waiting list for the app, but we can give you a unique code to help you jump the queue. Check out on our socials for more info. This is the Rams Review Podcast. Discussion, insights, interviews and analysis. All passion, all Derby County. The Rams Review Podcast is proud to be part of the Fan Hub 100, where fans come first. Hello everybody and welcome to a very special episode of the Rams Review Podcast with, of course, me, Jason and Corey. Corey, how are we doing? Jason, I'm well. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm very well, thank you. And... Happy St. Patrick's uh, Day to you, Jason. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, recording this on St. Patrick's Day, um, what better man to have on for a St. Patrick's Day special other than Derby County ex-midfielder Paul Green. Paul, how are we doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Uh, it's great to, to be on the show. Wonderful stuff. Certainly looking forward to this one. You're one of those players that I've probably seen every game live that you played in a Derbyshire at least. So um, I've got some, obviously some, some really good memories, probably not so good memories. Then you went to Leeds. So we won't talk about that bit until <laughs> later, uh, but no, of course. Um, well, where do we start? I mean, we born in, born in a place that I know quite well, Pontefract, because um, I don't know if you get to get back there much, Paul, or if that's where you are at the minute or anything like that. But about 10 years ago, Pontefract had a brand new hospital built and I was there for five and a half years. So it's a place that I know I know quite well. Um, obviously not a million miles away from me in Derby. I'm not as far afield as Corey. Um, one of the things, obviously doing some research into other areas of your career, of course, I, I realise you come from Doncaster and obviously I know you went on to Rotherham and Leeds and things like that. You spent a lot of time, a lot of your time in the uh, in Yorkshire, didn't you, for your football career? I did, yes. Um, uh, as, a young, as a young kid, um, I was at Sheffield Wednesday from, what was it, 11 till 16. Um, obviously, they, they had to make a decision there and then, um, obviously, for a scholarship um, and I got released for being too small. Um, so, um, me being me, um, and well, I knew from, um, my time there and the coaches that my ability was there, it was just my size and stature that I was starting to get a little bit knocked off the ball and things like that. So, um, I carried on, carried on with it and, um, I got a trial at Doncaster, 
um, and never looked back since. Really, um, they 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 took a chance on me, um, and I'll always um, appreciate that. That and like I say, I've I've never looked back since. I think they call that aerodynamic these days, don't they? Uh, <laughs> when you when when you're a bit a bit smaller and nimble. I mean, obviously that that was your. Uh, what the Doncaster obviously your time at Doncaster over 250 appearances is is probably the obviously from a Derby perspective we want to talk about your time at Derby but the time that you had at Doncaster when Doncaster obviously were really really struggling at the time as a as a football club and then the the meteoric me, the right word meteorotic is it no maybe not meteoric, the, meteoric. yeah the, the rise of Doncaster no I'm not sure meteoric. I'm not sure now Meteoric. meteoric that's it meteoric that's the one i'm looking for meteoric rise of doncaster of course and you were involved heavily in in a lot of that you know firstly i just want to ask a little bit like you say there you you're as a youngster at sheffield wednesday and then you know you're looking obviously then for for other things and a team in the conference takes a chance on you do you did you look at it you said there you know you thought you'd got the ability but there were probably certain bits about it at that age did you ever look at it and go well conference do I really want to be do I really want to be in the conference I know it's a starting point or you know you see so many youngsters falling out of the game these days because of they they probably don't necessarily want to take that chance at, at, at a lower club and of course you did and went from conference to to, was it to the league one or to the championship Doncaster uh, made it? Yeah, to the championship. We, yeah. We got there, yeah. So w- what was your feelings as obviously a, a 16, 17 year old leaving um, and, and looking for your first professional club? To be honest, um, like I say, obviously a bit, bit disheartened at the time, but like I say, I've got, I've got a good, strong family around me. They picked me up straight away and, and knowing what, what um, the ability that, that, I thought I had at that time as in mentally and uh, obviously it was just physically that, that, that I got let go on. So um, I, I never, I never let go of my dream. I've always wanted to be a footballer and that's what I've been grown up to, to do. And, and obviously Doncaster taking that chance on me was great. And I, to be honest, I wouldn't change it for the world. Um, like I said, I've, I've had me, had my YTS there and seeing the the pros obviously leaving at um, half past half past one starting at ten something like that and we're stuck about cleaning boots uh, changing rooms uh, painting um, stands things like that so um, it's it's it really done um, what's what's the word so really really put me in a, a good good um what's the word that I'm thinking of? Um put me in a really good position to really wanting to be a professional footballer more. And then, you know, obviously as we said mentioned ju- just a second ago, uh, a, a list of, of promotions. Uh, you know, most people would probably never go through that in the career. And do you think, first of all, do you think the way that you come up put you in better stead for obviously then from moving on from Doncaster then to Derby and obviously hanging in and around that championship for for a fair few years like you did. Do you, do you think that helped you in in any way? Yeah, massively. Um, I think it 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 learnt me trade um, as a as a footballer uh, playing man's man's football early in in my career, probably seventeen eighteen, where 
I started to break through into the first team. Um, and would I have played as many games if I'd I'd have stayed with Sheffield Wednesday in the Championship at that time? I don't think I would have done. So to apply my trade in probably uh, the lower leagues and and learn my trade, uh, it, it helped me massively. And uh, at that time, uh, Doncaster was on the rise, uh, probably a big team in, in, in the conference at that time. Um, and obviously getting promoted um, at Doncaster in the first playoffs uh, ever to be held uh, in the conference at, at, at Stoke Britannia Stadium. And then uh, to win League Two, uh, to get us into League One, I'd probably a season or so in there just to find his feet. And um, a new manager comes in, in Sean O'Driscoll. And um, it was brilliant for me, Sean. Um, I did a podcast uh, with Doncaster probably only about two weeks ago and he learnt me a lot about football. Um, just just really like different the different side of football, the movements as in what positionings to be in and things like that. So it, it, it was, I, I, I thought being in the lower leagues at that time, earning, um, earning my trade, um, it was a massive, massive um where I, where I got to today. And Paul, you had this long career with Doncaster and you had all these promotions and, and your last appearance for them, I believe, was um, a 1-0 win over Leeds United at Wembley in a, uh, in, a, uh, in, a, in a football league playoff. What was it like, first of all, beating Leeds? Uh, because, you know, we know how Derby fans feel about Leeds. And also, second part to that was you've come through, you come through the, the conference, you were released young, you've learned all this different stuff, and, and you know, you, you took your knocks early on in your career to then eventually walk out at, at the home of English football at Wembley. What, what was that like for you, that experience? I'd probably put it up there, one of my best experience. Um, obviously, playing in front of... Uh, Probably eighty, eighty-five thousand on on the on the day kind of thing. It's uh, what what an atmosphere. Obviously, uh, the Leeds fans. It's a, it's a massive massive club and uh, massive supporter club, and well, I think I think the day on that day, I think Doncaster took twenty-five thousand fans, and then obviously the rest were Leeds fans. But the atmosphere that day uh, was unbelievable, and it's one of the days I'll, I'll never forget. And uh, I'll always look back at definitely. And I think it's a testament to you, to your quality and to your ability to learn and, and, and be such a, a good influence at Doncaster that you were the last player uh, to leave the club that won promotion from the non-league. Um, so, that, you know, that, that's incredible with the, with the turnover that you expected in football clubs that you're still the last one there. So walk me through this then. Doncaster get promoted. You've been with them from non-league all the way up to the rise of the championship. You've played 277 games. They offer you a contract, but you turn it down and you sign for Derby. Why, why turn that contract offer down from Doncaster? Again, it was one of the, the toughest decisions I've ever had to make because um, I'll always have Doncaster in my heart, um, obviously giving me a chance to, to be a professional footballer. Um, and, and the success, um, that, that's probably the biggest success as in one club I've had with promotions and um, obviously uh, a Johnson's Paint Trophy final as well, which we won. So I had a lot of, a lot of success there. And um, Derby had just come down from the Premier League um, and I got a phone call when I was on the uh, golf course with my brother. Um, and 
and they just spoke to Paul Joel and said, would you be interested in coming uh, and speaking? I said, yeah, I'll, I'll come down. Um, and soon as soon as I w- drove through the uh, training ground, wow, um, the complex um, was was unbelievable. I was blown away. And obviously coming down from the from the Premiership, I thought they'd had a, a really good chance of getting back up to the, the Premiership. So um, me being uh, a very ambitious player, um, I wanted to be part of that. And that was a, a massive, massive coup for me. So when you walk in, when you walk into the training ground, what was the mood? Because Derby had had such a poor season, the season before the 07-08, the 11 point season coming down from the Premier League. That's, we, we know what kind of went on in that. And then you walk into that situation as, as a new person coming in, what was the mood around it? Was it the confidence we can get back up? Were some of the players still mentally scarred from, from that season? What were your aspects after the first impressions of more fun when you put on the training top and you talk to them, was it kind of like, okay, this is different than I thought or better than you thought? How, how was that? Um, when I, obviously when I first first got into the change room and, and, and speaking to the lads, obviously a bit of a, bit of a transition. I think you were trying to get quite a lot of players out have been there for for quite a while um, and obviously bring a new uh, new group in. So I think at the time I signed with Chris Commons, uh, Paul Connolly, I think he was there, Steve Davis, um, I think obviously Rob Hull. So we, we had a, a few players coming in as well. So I, I was thinking he was trying to get the, the players out who, who had been there for the relegation season, um, maybe the confidence or... or or that they they didn't they didn't actually want to be there. Uh, they're thinking they were they wanted to be playing in the Premiership because they've had a bit of a taste of it. Um, but when I when I signed there, that was it. That was the the main aim really to bounce back. And he um, wanted to build a uh, energetic team uh, to to really push for promotion. And Paul, I think if mem- if I'm right in saying your your debut for Derby was against was against your former club in in Doncaster. Yeah, what, yeah. what, 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 I mean, whatever planets aligned for that, but I mean, and Doncaster won the game, if memory serves me right. So, what, what was that feeling like, obviously, squaring up against a team that you'd that you'd spent five or six years at? Um, as soon as the fixture lists came out, obviously, I, I was waiting for it who, who would be playing first. And, like, I say, it was it, it written in the stars, really, as in it was going to be my old club, and it, it was uh, playing against uh, Doncaster. and. I knew, I knew for a fact it'd be a tough game. Uh, obviously, kept all well the majority of the squad that that got promoted from League One. Uh, obviously, the confidence is high, and I, I know how they want to play football and they play it the right way. I knew it'd be a, a tough day um, that day, and it was. I can remember it um, uh, red hot, um, and they was, and they were just popping it around, and it it was a tough old day. Um, obviously, at Pride Park on my debut. Uh, especially playing against your old team, um, it, like say we, we lost one nil, and it's it, it's not a nice feeling when you've been there for that long um, to, to to go to a new club and then obviously get beat by your your former team. And fans fans of Derby didn't have to wait long uh, for your first goal. Couple of goals, in fact, they came they came in in pretty quick succession. And I think obviously after the after the such the disappointment and embarrassment really of, of that of that Premier League season, having 
having somebody come in who'd, who'd showed the just just in the first three or four games, you know, they they were clearly in yourself had got some quality, and you you were finding you'd found the net on a couple of occasions. I remember thinking, you know, you're you're the kind of player that that Derby need wanted and needed at that time, because you know I, I do remember that game against Doncaster, and obviously they were on a on a real high. Uh, as, as teams do get when when they've just come up from a new division and, and started on the on the front foot, and obviously Derby were absolutely absolutely crestfallen on on the previous season with everything. I'm sure I don't need to tell you because obviously you were there. You, you probably remember uh, just how much turmoil was going off at, at that at that moment in time. And you know you've 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 got a couple of goals in the first games, but if memory serves me right, it that it didn't really. It didn't really click for Derby at all in that beginning. Was it? I think it was. I can't remember if it was at home or away. Now I remember being there though uh, against Sheffield. I think it was Sheffield United, the first win of that against Sheffield United, the first win of that season. And obviously, Paul Jewellers was coming in and as a manager as he did halfway through the previous season, thinking obviously what he'd just done at well, what he'd done at Wigan and things like that. That you know he was he was a decent he was a decent name to to guide Derby ultimately straight back up. Um, just want to, just before we go fully in depth on that, on your first season at Derby, I just want to ask, um, obviously in that time, Paul Jewell um, leaves and Nigel Clough came in. What can you, what were your thoughts of Paul Jewell as a manager? When, when I, when I first signed, um, you know, is, is uh, CV says it all really, obviously, um, is, is known for his promotions and again that's a big law way way he wanted to play and how he wanted to play me was was massive and let's say I, I'll take my hat off to him it it were it were like say it were a bit of a, a tough gig for him obviously signing uh, being a manager at uh, Derby County um, halfway through the season at, uh, in the Premiership so it, it was really a really tough job. Um, Obviously, he brought his players in um, when he came to the championship, but I don't know. It was just like a bit of a, a monkey uh, on on Derby's back at, at that time. They just couldn't seem to to get a win, um, and I think I think the confidence had hit a few a few of the players that were still there from the from the Premiership as well, and um, it showed in some of his performances. Um, and then obviously Nigel Clough comes in. Um, and like I say, it it done a great job, did Nigel, and um, I thought I thought it um, it helped me out a lot as well, being a being a player there. I mean, obviously, it wasn't it wasn't all doom and gloom in, in that first season at Derby. You you managed to push Manchester United very 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 close, I would say, um, to a, to a League Cup final. Um, I was there for the I was there for the for the first leg at, at Pride Park when. Chris Common smashed, rattled that goal in from about 35 yards. And, and obviously everything that had gone on the season previous, and it'd been, I, I think it's fair to say, it'd been a mediocre season up till that up till that point. And obviously the change of manager in and around that time as well. Um, I think I'd been to the previous quarterfinal against Stoke away, if memory serves me right. I think it was a late, yeah. a late penalty, wasn't it? I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember that as well. And, you know, it, to do what Derby did, obviously, in, in that first leg and, and pick up the win was was impressive. And then I actually think 
I didn't make the second leg, unfortunately, at Old Trafford, but I remember watching it on the telly and, you know, Derby obviously gave as good as they got that, that day. I think if memory serves me right, Giles Bond scored a couple. Um, and it was a real tight contest, probably a lot tighter than Manchester United would have expected it to have been. Uh, and probably from Derby fans, you know, didn't expect to do to do quite that much. What what were your memories of, of those two games, Paul? And, you know, did after that, you know, you've made it to the semi-final. Certainly, I think that's the best Derby have ever done in the League Cup, I think. Without without checking the stats, I can't be sure. We might have got to a semi before, but I don't think we've ever made a, a League Cup final as a club. What what were your memories of those of those two legs? Um, obviously, when it was drawn and you were playing Manchester United, it's uh, like I say, it's everybody's dream to play uh, a big club. Um, then coming to Pride Park, um, I think Skulls playing. I think Ronaldo came on and Tevez were playing, um, and and that's that's what you're in the game for. You want to play against big teams like that and uh, really push yourself and. Uh, Prove to yourself that you, you can hold your own against them, and 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 to win at Pride Park against, I think the Premiership champions at, at that time was a, a massive massive booster for for the club, the town, the fans. It's what I think it's what they needed. Obviously, it'd been a dull season in the Premiership the year before, uh, and I thought it really really pushed us on uh, to finish strong that year. Um, Great finish by Como, uh, coming on his left, smashed it into the bottom right corner, I think it was. Um, and then to go to, to Old Trafford um, in front of, God knows, I, I don't know how many old, 80,000 or something like that again, uh, walking out in front of them and, and giving it a good old go. Um, I think we lost 4-2 on the night, but um, it, it, we we didn't disrespect ourselves and didn't, we didn't... Um, we didn't come up short against them, really. We, we, we really pushed them all the way and uh, it was a tough, tough old game there. And um, like I say, it's uh, great, great moments in football when you when you do, go, do get to a semi-final, beat them at, at home and then uh, give them a good push uh, at Old Trafford. Paul, well, I mean, I was... Done. You you name you, you name some names there. Paul Scholes, Carlos Tevez, Cristiano Ronaldo. I mean, what was it like when playing against them? I mean from their preparation and the things that you saw in the warm-up and things like that, were the things that you picked up or were you thinking like, Christ, I need to stay on the opposite of that guy. So he doesn't give me the business and, and let someone else mark him or, or whatever. I mean, I'm just curious. I mean, they're, they're big names, not only in Manchester United football, but, but world football as well. I mean, what was it like from you having been through the conference on this journey and then you're out old Trafford, 80,000 and you're playing against some of the world's best players. I mean, was it, did you did you try to be like I don't want to go anywhere near Ronaldo because I don't want to get mad or is it more like I'm going to stick him in the first five minutes and show him who's boss? No, it's uh, like I say, growing up, that's what you want to to do as a young lad, play against the best players, uh, really try to prove yourself, see if you can cope with that level. Um, but we knew we knew it was going to be tough against Man United, the the world class players at the end of the day, and uh, and we turned up, we showed that we were, were more than capable of matching against them um but no that like like i said uh, earlier just they're the they're the players that you want to play against and, and showcase you yourself against and and showing that you're, you're capable of uh, handling handling them and and that's i think that's how we all felt as as players uh that day um just to really have a good go at them um 
and, and that's what we did. I believe the following day was the day I think Nigel Clough took over officially as manager. I believe it was in the stands at Old Trafford. Um, you, you put in a pretty good performance. He comes in the next day. What does he say to the group? Does he have a, does he have like a, a rousing speech or is he like quiet, just let you go about your business? I mean, what did he say to you? You come in off that high, obviously it's a recovery day or whatever. What, what's he, what's, what do you remember of his first talk to the group and his first kind of week at the club and how, and how the culture did the culture shift or anything like that? It was quite upbeat to be fair. Obviously we're coming, coming in off a, a great win um, against um, Man United at home and then obviously losing, but no, he, uh, he come in, uh, got his points across how I was wanting to play and things like that. And it was just, it was just like a bit of a, a weight off everyone's mind. Everyone were on a, an even uh, platform. There was everyone were playing, trying to play for the shirt, the position. So um, he got a good look at, at at where where players could play and um, how they cope with that level. And like I say, he just moved it on from there. Really, just quite quite simple training, five sides, possession. Um, so just just nice, lively training sessions just to get us back into it because obviously it was a uh, bit of a bit of a downer before that really I mean we were, we, were, we were steady but we were really pushing on and he just wanted to get that bit of team spirit like uh, back and obviously getting the lads together and um, just a bit of, bit of chemistry in the, in the changing rooms and things like that so that's how he liked it. One of the things I recently read I recently read an article that Nathan Ellington was talking about um Cluffy, and he was saying that Cluffy never really did any tactical team stuff. Is that how accurate is that? Did he did he did he just like throw the tactics board out, or was 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 uh, Nathan Ellington being a bit flippant there, saying he didn't do much tactical stuff? No, to to, to be honest, uh, he didn't really he didn't really do much shape, or he didn't really do much set pieces or anything like that. With with the set pieces, it just he just used to say just just put it like put it in the mixer pick a spot and then everyone attacks it kind of thing. Um, and then it, 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 I think he's just, just a bit old school with it. Do you know what I mean? Obviously he's probably grown up with his dad and I'm, I'm sure his dad won't have done anything like that. So I think if it was good enough for Brian Clough, I think it'd be good enough for Nigel. So <laughs> I think that's how it, how it, it thought and uh, it was great. Yeah. And that season, you know, you played you played forty of Derby's forty five of Derby's forty five uh, of the first forty five games. You were pretty much an ever present. Then, you know, the injury struggles kind of happened towards the end of that season. Um, you come back the following season, you know, you continue. You, you kind of get these few niggly injuries over the next season and a bit. Um, how frustrating it was it with you with those with the niggly little injuries that that continued to happen because you'd been this ever present you'd come and you'd had this good run in the team and then you kind of had these this kind of start 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 stop start campaign. Yeah, I mean, um, I think I think I did it um, coming to the end of the season, um, my fifth metal tassel. So I think I played the forty odd games and then the last last I think I did it in training. All I did is push off and my my fifth metal tassel fifth metatarsal snaps um and then I, I was back for pre-season but um something had gone wrong with the the surgery and it not healed properly um and i could feel it in in obviously in in, in certain games uh, and in training I, I knew something wasn't right um and i played on with it i had like 
injections in, in it just to play uh, at the start of the season. I just thought it was just something that I'd go off. Anyway, I went back to the surgeon. So went back to the surgeon and I still got a bit of, bit of a crack in it. So that's why I was still getting my pain. So we had to do all the operation again. So that was another six weeks out. So it, it wasn't really the uh, another injury. It was just from the same injury kind of thing. So that was the most frustrating one. Um, and then uh, when I got back in the team, obviously played played a few quite quite a lot again, uh, regular. Um, I think it was a the Cardiff Cardiff Stadium. I just went to move off and. My knee just popped and I'd done my cruciate and um, I knew I'd done something serious at the time. Um, and when I when I when I came off the pitch, I was in the treatment room and I just I just couldn't hold my tears back. I knew that that bit that's probably the, the most serious injury I, I've had touch wood in my career. Um, I never never experienced it experienced it before and um, yeah, I just broke down in the um, in the treatment room and it wasn't a, a great day then. Was it difficult for you mentally to, to get back to the levels that you were at? Because you've been playing consistently now for Doncaster and for Derby for five or six seasons. And this is the first serious injury you have. And to not have the, not have the ability to play football for that six to nine month window, was it, how did you, how did you cope with it mentally to sit down and say, okay, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to come back. Did you have like a specific date and time? Did you look at the fixture list and said, I want to be back for this date? Or was it like, I'll, I'll just know when I'm ready. And then how did you, how did you process everything mentally from, from going from playing to not playing? Um, it was tough at the start. Um, obviously just, just knowing that you're, you're going to be out for probably six, seven, eight months tops. Um, that, that was probably the difficult thing to, to get my head around. Uh, but then again, it was it was I think uh, maybe January or something like that, December time. So I knew I was going to miss probably four or five months of the season, and then miss a pre-season, and then I'd be back in about December. So that that was my time frame is in my head to to get back. So I knew I won't miss a full season with it. Um, I, I get me my chance to still play and. Um, Obviously, I spoke to the surgeon. Uh, it says, you know, it, it, it's it's a it's a common injury now. Uh, I think probably ten years ago, before when I when I was playing, it's it was like career threatening. Um, but like I say, the surgeons these days um, just saying like, you know, you'll be better, stronger, um, and that's how I got my head around it. Really, just made sure. I did everything right in the uh, in the treatment room and in the gym, getting it nice and strong. So when I did come back, I knew it wouldn't go again or it wouldn't fail on me. So that's that's how mentally strong I was. As in, look, I do everything right. I'm going to do everything possible to get back on that field, and that's what I did. I think um, I think probably seven months or something like that. I think I came back against. I think it might have been. Hull or something like that. Me and Sean Barker um, again I had someone a great great skipper Sean Barker with me. He, I think he had a a microfracture in his knee, so we were going through the same thing. So again, it was nice to have someone in the gym who we could talk to, and if we did get frustrated, push it, push it, push, 
each other through it. And I think obviously that season after the ACL and ACL injury was was a big summer, obviously for for the Republic of Ireland and of your your part your part in that. Obviously, not only that, at the end of that season, you you decided to um, reject a contract from Derby and and move elsewhere. So af- after that ACL injury, Paul, obviously you've got you've been in and around the Northern Ireland setup. Sorry, the Republic of Ireland. Get that right. Republic oh, of Ireland uh, set up. <laughs> I know what 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 a slip up. I couldn't. I don't think I could have made a worse one. But yeah, so you're around the Republic of Ireland set up. Obviously, big summer coming up on the back of a big injury. Did you? Th- I don't want to say this and and put and, and disrespect and uh, disrespect your your career, but did did you find that was a defining moment coming off the back of such a big injury? You knew that if you continued to play the way that you had been playing for Derby, you'd probably be involved. In, in that tournament with Ireland, I think so. I mean, um, when when I got into the Ireland setup, um, um, it, obviously I was just in the um, the um, what not the warm up squad, like the provisional squad, as in um, did a little bit of training with um, all the people who who were, who were nearly in there, and then we we stayed on uh, with the main squad, and from there, obviously never looked back. And Trapitoni. Um, really took a liking to me, and it played me in most games leading up to me, me cruciate. Um, so it was again, it was difficult to take, and I knew uh, at the time the the Euros were coming up, um, and I'd just be back in time for that, um, and I knew it'd be really tight, really tight because there was doing well, there was people playing in front of me doing well, so. It, it was a tough one to take because obviously leading up to the Euros, I played in most of the qualifiers as well. Um, and then I'd done my cruciate and it, it stayed in touch with me. Um, did, um, Trapatoni uh, and the physio uh, just to see how I was developing. And then obviously I got back playing uh, and I had a chance to get into the Euros. Um, and so when, when the, the squad came out, I was on the provisional, um, on the waiting list kind of thing, if there was any injuries. And my, my roommate, Kifar, he got, got injured, I think, probably second to the last game of the season. Um, a midfielder, and then I jumped in to, to his place. So um, I was gutted for him, obviously. know what it, how much he'd uh, worked to, to obviously get in the squad. So I was gutted for him, but obviously... Um, excited for myself to be part of uh, a massive tournament. And just before we we go on back to to club football, we have to talk about that tournament because it was one where um, you know Ireland did all right for themselves. Obviously, more of an England follower myself, as yeah. you probably see from the background. But in terms of Ireland, you know, at, at, at a major tournament. Uh, didn't didn't disgrace themselves. Trapattoni always came across as you know a pretty decent, a pretty decent manager. Um, what were your memories and experiences as a whole? Obviously, it wasn't probably involved as much as you might have wanted to have been, but obviously you did you did manage to get some some minutes. So you can you've got that, and you can say that you've played in a major tournament. What was the whole experience like for you, Paul? Well, like I say, I, I loved I loved every minute of it. Um, we, we was away for probably nearly a month or just over, just over a month something like that, with the tournament we had a we had a shocking group we had obviously Italy Spain 
um, Czech Republic. So, shocking it, group. That's easy, Paul. Uh, God, <laughs> no one's ever heard of them. So it was, it was a ridiculous group, um, and it, it it was it was like say it was a great experience for me to to get on against the European champions who who actually won it, Spain. Um, I'll always say this. I think I came on at um, three nil. I think I touched the ball three times and two of them were from a kickoff. So <laughs> it was honestly play, playing against players like that. You you just know that the the levels above you. I mean, you you're playing against Xavi, Iniesta, Fabregas, uh, Torres, Ramos, um, it, and honestly, I come on at three nil, and I'm I'm just chasing them down and the angles that they make just they're on different different way left to to what we was and that that day I knew would would been been absolutely uh battered by a, a top top class team whose shirt did you get Paul I got I got Javis um <laughs> I got Javis that day um but the story about this with the Javis shirt anyway I got I got Javis shirt uh, at the end of the game put it in bottom of my bag we've gone back to the hotel We'd gone down for um, some lunch the next day. I've gone back up to to my room just to just to check on it, <laughs> just to check on it, and it it gone. Someone someone had pinched it. I don't I don't know who. Uh, I don't like pointing fingers or anything like that. But it was gone, so I was absolutely gutted. Um, you know, just to what what a shirt to 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 have and and get framed from um, from the Euros. So you're telling me that Zavi's got a Paul Green Ireland shirt hanging on his wall? Well, I don't know if he's got it on his... He probably <laughs> does. He has got a Paul Green shirt. I don't know if he's uh, <laughs> give it to his cleaner or his uh, his gardener or something like that, but uh, it, did, it did take my shirt as well. What did you think when Trapattoni compared you to uh, Gennaro Gattatuso from AC Milan as his kind of like midfield destroyer for Ireland? I mean, that that's high praise. Yeah, massive phrase to be honest. That's probably the nicest thing anyone said about me. Obviously, what a player Gattuso is, um, and to be, to be, um, to be said exactly what how he plays and that it's 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 great. But um, I think he was well, he, he was far better player than me. I, I my job for Ireland was look break things up. Um, and then plastic it to the better players to, to, to create things. And that's what I tried to do. Um, I was there to, to break things up, to protect the back four, and then give it to the better players. And you, you've played against, what outside of the Euros, you, you played, I think it was, I think you had, how many appearances did you make for Ireland? You made, what, 24, I want to say? 22. 22, 22 yeah. appearances. Um, you scored a goal against Algeria. What was it like scoring for your country? Again, probably the one of the proudest moments in my football career. Um, that was my full debut with Ireland as well. So um, just to get on the well, just to get onto the pitch and to score, just topped it off. And I think we won three 0 that time. They was going to the World Cup, Algeria. So it was a good test, uh, and obviously to to beat them and score was was probably one of the proudest moments in my life. Who were the best? Who were the best players internationally that you played against? Because I know you played against Argentina, and I'm not sure if Messi played in that game or not. He might have. Um, you played against Portugal and Ronaldo. You've you've played against 
the, the European champions in, in Spain, you played against Italy. I mean, what, who do you, who do you, what did you learn off of playing international football and how is it different than club level football? Because we always hear that it's different, but how is it different from someone who's, who's been at both levels? Just, just the standards. Um, obviously I'm talking about uh, the Spain game, just the, the levels, levels above um, just the, the, how they think of the game, how, how telepathic they are. And there, there must be like five steps ahead. Honestly, the, the levels, from being in the championship, playing against obviously some good players in there to, to world-class players. It's a do- totally different less, uh, level. Um, obviously, I was, I was lucky enough to, to play some great players, um, international football, um, like Messi, uh, the opening of the Aviva Stadium. We played against Argentina. He just coasted through the game. You knew he had levels above, again, everyone else. It, it, it looks so easy. Uh, then again, uh, Zlatan, whenever he got the ball, um, do you know what I mean? He was trying to make things happen and he couldn't, again, it was so tough to get the ball off him because of his stature and things like that. Um, Ronaldo, again, just levels above. He could coast past people if he wanted to or just make it look easy. So, no, it was... Um, the. The, the international scene even even the the lower lower teams lower teams say I think we played against Armenia and they was technically technically very good um, I think we beat them one nil but they 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 drew us close to obviously getting a draw out of the game and it, I just thought technically the international footballers were were all strong switching back to your club career. Before you go to before you go to Leeds, um, sum up sum up Derby County, your time there, um, and any insights that, that that you could provide with that. Before we move on to the to the to the Leeds segment. Yep. No, I, I love my time at Derby. Uh, four years there. I moved my family down there. My, my little girl were born there. So again, Derby, very very close to my heart. And it 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 was a, again a tough decision to leave Derby. Uh, at that time, um, I had a bit, I had a bit, um, maybe not a falling out with Nigel Clough. I think I felt like I, I got tret quite rough when I got was injured with me ACL. Um, he, I never had a, I never had a squad number. Um, I never on the team photo that year, um, so it was like tough to take um, as a player, um, and. It was a bit, bit of a bit of a sour note for me, really. Uh, when I got back fit, I got back, got back playing regular under Nigel Clough, and as probably as, as friendship got back to how it was. But I just thought the way I got tripped when I was injured, um, I don't know if he actually knew, knew or felt um, how, how I was feeling. But I just, I just felt at the time that that was the the probably the the, the one of the reasons why I did leave, um, just how I got tread that that year, but um, and it, it was tough because, like I say, I've I've been there for four years and I loved I loved me my time there, and it was a difficult decision. But I just thought it was it it was time to 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 move on. 
and Jason, before we before we go on to the to the leagues, the lead segment, which we, we unfortunately have to discuss. No, we have to talk about leads. We have to talk about that part of your career. But Jason, you always have these stories about going to these games, but I finally have one because I was at Paul's first start back from an ACL tear. It was New Year's Eve. It was West Ham and Derby. And Paul, I'm sure you drove up to Pride Park in your car and you parked. I was sat in the back of a Ford Transit van going down the wrong side of the Wyvern on the A52 to get to the game on time. And my uncle parked the van on the uh, double yellow lines next to the TC Harrison Ford dealership. And he said, it's fine. They'll just think it's there for repair. And we showed up like, I think it was like 10 minutes before kickoff. And I mean, I it got me these tickets for Christmas and I was on my Christmas holidays and we show up the thing and I'm sitting in, I'm sitting on like a child's stool in the back of the Ford transit van. And my dad was in the front with my uncle and he drove down and he was on the wrong side of the road and the lights changed. He was coming and this truck driver shouted and he said, Hey, if you want some, come and get it. And <laughs> I was like, dude, he's going to kill us. Like, we're on the, and he was wrong because he was on the wrong side of the road. So we pull up and we run in and I'm sitting in a North stand game kicks off and five minutes in Paul green pops up with a deft header uh, and Darby win that game and beat uh, Sam Allardyce. And my memories of that was like, Rob Green was in goal and all all Rob Green was interested in doing like every 30 seconds, he'd walk to the post, take a drink, look around, check the game, walk back to the penalty spot, then walk back. But Darby ended up winning that game three, two. And it was absolutely cracking. That was, I enjoyed myself. That's one of the best new year's eves I've ever had in my entire life. And I'm no, just- I, I, can, I, can, I can remember it. Um, I think um, it was Robbo Roberts, uh, Gaz Roberts who whipped the ball in. Uh, I've got a little glancing at us, so I can remember it. Yeah, it was uh, like I say, it was a, a great day for myself. Obviously, coming back from the ACL, uh, playing in the packed out uh, Pride Park. I mean, the fans were unbelievable. I used to be playing in front of thirty-two thousand week in week out, and the 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 fans were incredible. Um, and I like I say, I, I love my time there, and just to, to to get back and to score in front of the fans, it was unbelievable. Cause he scored in front of you in this house stand, Jason, but I was in the North stand. And there was some limbs in there. Let me tell you, I was losing my absolute mind. I think I was wearing this sweater as well, but yeah, I lost my absolute mind. I was so psyched. I was, inc- it was incredible for me. So I have to say, I have to share that story, Paul, because Jason has all these stories about when he goes away and sees Darby and stuff and whatever with beer bottles that aren't full of beer and whatever. And I never have any cool Darby stories to tell. So it's like my one cool Darby story and it involves Paul, which is even better. Yeah, perfect then, eh? <laughs> yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Jason, do you want to talk about the unfortunate, the unfortunate club that he went to? Well, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, from what you've just said there about the fans, Paul going going to another club in Leeds, who's obviously, uh, I think it takes no no saying what what the atmosphere is like at Ellen Road. I've, I've witnessed it. I've witnessed it when Derby's won. I've witnessed it when Derby's got absolutely hammered. Uh, in fact, I think I remember being there on a Tuesday night when Rob Holt scored a hat trick for Leeds against Derby before before his time for Derby and uh, he scored a hat trick in 28 minutes and I was back down the M1 by half time. So <laughs> yeah, I've I've had some interesting days out at Ellen Road. But of course, you know, a club of Leeds, whilst Derby and Leeds might not quite get on, they're still a massive, massive club. Uh, and, and obviously moving on from from Derby and, and going to Leeds was was it was a big thing. But again, Paul, another one where you know you got into the side, little little injuries again, injuries kind of you know crept in. Um, and if memory serves me right, I remember you scoring for Leeds against Derby. 
um, back end of one of the seasons. I can't remember if it was 2011, 2012. I think your captain leads that day. Yeah. Um, yeah and you scored a consolation, but but Derby won in the end. But yeah, just I think we, we made it 1-0 at... I made it 1-0 at Pride Park and then obviously you come back and uh, and beat us, yeah. I remember but it. Obviously, talk, talk, just just a few words, Paul, on obviously your time at Leeds. They, they're, clearly, they're clearly a massive club in in English football. Yeah, I mean, when when I heard Leeds were interested, obviously it's it's back near my hometown, Pontefract as well. Um, I had a house back here, so it was, it, like I say, it was a, a tough decision, but with what had gone on, obviously me being injured and how I got tret, I think that was the 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 bit of a factor why I wanted to move on and and, and just have a bit of a fresh start, really. Um, so I went to Leeds, obviously done pre-season with them. I just come back from the Euros, done pre-season with them, flying. Um, I think we played uh, Shrewsbury, I think in the um, in the cup or something like that, first game beat them and then we played Wolves at home um, we we'll, were winning 1-0 or something like that and we just had a clash of knees um, and it opened my knee out so just like a bit of a medial ligament um, little tear in there so that kept me out for God, six weeks which was which was tough to take because I was flying at the time um, obviously I got, got back in um, took probably three or four games to get back at it, um, and again never never really looked back. Um, and then Neil Warnock got sack, who who signed me there, and I think it was Mick. Oh, what's his name now? Front Reading manager, old Reading manager Mick McDermott. Yeah, Brian McDermott or whatever. Yeah, Brian McDermott took over. Uh, he brought a few of his players in, so I think he brought um, Luke Murphy in from Crew at the time, who was playing, who plays in my position. I started uh, probably the first, first I don't know, 10, 10 games under him, and he brought brought Luke Murphy in, and my game time started to go down, and it, it was tough to take because I'm used to playing week in week out for teams, um, and then. Behind the scenes at Leeds, it was it was a nightmare under um, is it Chile? Yeah, Chilino, and things were just getting run wrong. And at the time, Mick McCarthy came in for me to go out on loan, and I jumped at the chance. Um, absolutely jumped at it just to play under Mick McCarthy again. Probably one of the be- best managers I've played under. Uh, got a lot out, got a lot out of me at, at Ipswich, and I love my time at Ipswich as well. And obviously, not after after that spell, not too long before you were back up north with with of course with Rotherham, um, a, a couple of years at, at Rotherham, and then obviously moving on and playing at Crew Oldham, and I think it. In fact, I think it got announced. Obviously, we were going to record this last week, but obviously you, you 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 were a little bit busy, so we rescheduled. And in that time, I remember Corey messaging me and going. I know why Paul didn't turn up. He was at the press conference for, for joining Boston United. And we was like, well, we'll forgive him then. We'll forgive him. <laughs> um, so, of course, you know, that's obviously what, you, what you're up to now. Um, yeah, so obviously um, I've, I've, from, from Ipswich, um, I, pro- I probably could have stayed down at Ipswich, but it was a long way and I, I had my family. So my, my little boy had just been born down in Ipswich. And 
had to look after them. So I decided to move, obviously, back back to Pontefract, where I live now, get my, my family settled and just base, make sure I'm based around here. Um, so obviously I went to, to Rotherham for two years, then I went to Oldham, uh, Crew for two years, got a promotion under my belt at, at Crew, um, and then say, signed part-time at, um, at Boston, Boston United. Um, I know the manager really well. He's a local lad in Pontefract. Um, and I, I spoke to him and I asked him if, if he'd wanted, obviously, an experienced midfielder, and he jumped at the chance. So that's what I'm doing at the moment, obviously playing part-time at Boston. And then I've set up a, a football centre in Pontefract. Um, Jason, can you imagine? Can you imagine though getting a call from somebody like I play? I play five aside on a Friday night, and we're the most crap team in Division Two of the lowest division you can play. <laughs> and like all of a sudden, they're like, "Yeah, you're looking for an experience and midfielder," and you're like, "I don't know. What are your qualifications?" And he's like, "Well, I don't know. Leeds, Derby, Doncaster, 22 caps for Ireland, played at the Euros." And be like, "I don't know. I've got to consider that one." You know. <laughs> Why don't I ever get those calls from people who want to play with me? I always get the, I always get the woman and his and her wife and a, or a woman and her husband who show up drunk to the game and they're like, I've had five fifty ounces and I'm like, why would you come and play football? You know, I never get those calls, but I mean, it must be it must have been chuffed to bits, Paul, to for you to ring him up and say, you know, if you're looking for an experienced midfielder because I mean, you got experience with the quality as well. No, I mean, it, it was like say it, um, it jumped to the time, but obviously with the COVID going on. It was a, a bad time for football. Um, they didn't know um, if they they were going to carry the season on or how the season was going to go or what division they were going to be in at the time. So I had to wait uh, probably a month before he got back to me just to know what division he'd be in uh, and what his budget would be and things like that. So he, he come back to me. Um, obviously, we started off the season. We played 13 games and then obviously with the COVID, uh, it's just been null and void. So... At the moment, the season's done and dusted and we're just waiting for next year, really, when obviously the fans can come in and hopefully everything go back to normal. And Paul, I rudely cut you off there. What else are you doing part-time? You're doing, a, I think it's A1 soccer school, isn't it? Yeah, so I've got um, um, a centre, so a football centre where uh, I overlook the academy and um, the, all the coaching. So we've, we've got from all abilities, all ages, so from soccer tots, that's two to four-year-olds, to soccer sevens, which is five to uh, ten-year-olds. And then I've, I've got me, me academy that um, I'm running, which which is, is going from strength to strength. And we've just had three lads sign scholarships at, at, at Doncaster, actually, uh, which, is, which is a bit of a, a bright spark and some good news from all this uh, pandemic that we're having. Yeah, definitely. It must be always great when somebody that you've nurtured and you've you've coached and you've spent time in the hard time, you know, not putting in the hard yards, obviously, not playing, but putting in your hard time coaching and all that kind of stuff to, to see them finally achieve something must be remarkable, especially for a club that that kind of molded you and and, and who you were going to be as a, as a player earlier on. Um, also, I think you're working on your, your UEFA badges. Am I right? Yeah, that's right. I've got, I've got my UA for B, so I'm just on my UA for A now. So I'm just uh, on with that at the moment. Like, so um, I think it's something that I, I really want to to get into. I've just I've done all my, my PT courses as well, so personal training. So I've got my level two, level three, 
which I did probably two years ago. Um, but it's it's all all links into where I want I want to take it really. As in, I like the the fitness side of football, but as well the coaching side of it. I'm not too sure if I want to be um, a manager yet. Um, still still undecided, but. Uh, like I say, we'll, we'll, we'll see and we'll see where it takes me. Because that was my next question was what were your managerial aspirations? I mean, are we looking, Jason, are we looking at Derby County manager in two or three years time here? Well, you never know. You never know, do you? <laughs> I mean, we, Paul, we, if we you do, want to get managerial experience, you can always come coach my co-ed <laughs> six aside Friday night team with the <laughs> drunk <laughs> woman who plays left wing. And I'm the aging yeah. midfield general that pings balls around to nobody who runs. So, I mean, more than happy, I'll, you can come over here and stand on the sideline on a Friday night and maybe a couple Guinnesses in. It'll look a lot better. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I imagine the weather's a little bit better over there, Corey, than in Pontefract, to be honest. You know, that made me laugh, though. Paul was saying that on his Derby debut against Doncaster, he was like, oh, man, it was – I think he said it was, like, really hot or something, didn't you, Paul? And, yeah. I mean, Christ, we're playing on a Friday night at 9.30 at night, and it's, like, 94 degrees or something like that, and – Oh, I've seen my colour. A little bit of sun, and that's it. It's too warm for anyone. <laughs> and I think my, my final question, Paul, as you say, it's it's part time with with Boston, and and of course, you know, you can't you can't go on forever. Um, what's the plan? Is it just to just keep going until the legs give in? Keep going, um, you know, just being involved in that side of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I still feel fit. Um, feels feel strong. Um, and I, I still feel like I've got a lot to give um, in football kind of thing. So that's why I want to carry on. Uh, I spoke to a lot of people and they always say, um, carry on uh, as long as you can. You'll always regret it. And I think I would have done if, I, if I'd uh, packed in this year with, because of what's happened with COVID and things like that. I think I would have regretted it. I mean, I, like, I, I look after myself um, and... Um, I just want to play as long as I can. I think I know when it's time to give up and if I can't get around and people are just walking past me and things like that. But at this moment in time, I'm probably uh, one, if not the fittest player at, at Boston at this moment in time. So uh, until until someone starts overlapping me um, in my runs, then I'll, I'll carry on. And But the, the coaching side of it, it, it really does interest me as in the the fitness side of it so even being a fitness coach going into to work in a team it'd be, it'd be great um and that's that's probably the the route i'd like to go down that's what that's what happened with my career Corey. i noticed people were overlapping me so i just decided <laughs> now nah, i mean I, what, paul, I was only 18 come, unfortunately i keep being recruiting for my five-a-side team a six-a-side team but paul if you want to come no one will literally ever ever laugh at you <laughs> because the fitness levels of my team like We've got one lad who plays at the back. He must be 50. Yeah. If he's a day. He must be 50. And like I'm, I'm no, no one had ever laughed. You you can play until you're like 75 if you want. <laughs> there's always a there's always a job. You just let me know. You just text me and you let me know. Uh, and there's always a job for you. Yeah, whereabouts are you living, Corey? Just outside of Washington, DC. Oh, so I mean, it's, it's it's good living and good living, you know. Yeah. And we yeah. play on AstroTurf fields. It's, it's it's all right, Paul. It's all right. I'll even drive you to the game myself. Go for driven. If I'm ever over there, I'll, I will give you a call or a text. <laughs> Paul, a couple more questions from me before we let yep. you go. Um, 
first of all, I've always been curious about this because we always talk about the football side of things, right? And we just see Paul Green, the football who played for Derby, played for Leeds and played for Ireland and whatever. What other hobbies do you have outside of football? I mean, you've got, it's not just like you just go to training, come home, watch football, listen to football, sleep football. Yeah, you know I mean, like what other kind of hobbies do you have? No, I'm a, I'm a massive family man. And obviously when I, when I have my kids, I love spending time with my kids, playing out with them in the garden and taking them down to the park. So I love that side of it. But for me personally, I used to, used to play golf a lot with, with my teammates and things like that. So after football, we used to go off, play football, um, play golf. So that, that used to relax me unless I lost. I used to snap a club now and again. <laughs> oh, we've uh, all been there. <laughs> no. Um, but no, um, I play cricket. So play cricket a lot. Um, well, just, just any kind of sport. I, I love, I love sport. I, I really do, but probably be out, out of football times. Um, probably me golf and, and cricket really that that's probably the main two i can and see i can see a very snazzy uh dot dot set up as well behind you paul it looks oh uh, that's that's for you when i like we have a every christmas my brother comes around we have like a a brother's tournament and he's not beat me for six years i think that's why the the bit of practice that i normally take <laughs> that's it he said that Jason, like he was gonna have a, like a like an anthony joshua belt and he's gonna be like see he hadn't beat me yeah, for six years like he's place for the belt now that would be amazing if you had had that that would be oh my god i don't think i would have been able to continue <laughs> <laughs> um i'm useless what would happen with me paul if i came over and played darts with you you'd end up having to get a plaster in for your walls because i don't think i think i'd hit anything but the dartboard oh, no, i don't be one going out the window yeah i don't think my wife would uh, appreciate the uh <laughs> the uh the little dots in the wall and that <laughs> yeah so we can scratch me uh playing 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 darts and for golf, I'd probably just be like, I'm just going to hit this ball as far as I can. And I can be four inches from the from the cup. And I'd be like, I'm going to slug this sucker. You know, That's, <laughs> I'm just a masher when it comes to golf. I'm just a masher. I played putt-putt one time and I got like uh, mini golf and we were playing 18 holes. Uh, and I got like, I was like nine under on, on the first. I was just cruising. And then I went to the right. back nine and I think I finished like 27 over or something like that. It oh, was man. embarrassing. <laughs> a little windmill. I couldn't get it past the little windmill. Did, killing me. You didn't smash your putter, did you, at the end of it? Oh, uh, I, I was going to, but then they were like, it's one, you had to rent another putter. And I was like, I'm not paying another $4 for another putter. <laughs> yeah, like, this is just this ludicrous. So I was just seething on the inside. I was just seething on the inside. Um, final question from me, Paul. You, you coach young kids. Um, you've been there. You have done it. You've played at the highest levels of the game against the elite players. You've played for big clubs. And it's, it's kind of a two-faced question. One, what would you now, Paul Green, um, tell young version of Paul Green coming through? And what would you – what's the best piece of advice you could give a young footballer coming up? Um, if I was going to tell uh, myself um... – Obviously, coming up now, obviously, I'd, I'd probably say what what I've done in my career just just work hard. Um, don't let any anybody tell you you can't do it. Um, and if you want it badly enough, you'll get it. And it, I think the biggest thing in football, obviously, um, hard work, your, your mental mental side of the game as well, got to be really strong mentally, um, and and just the, the desire to, to work hard and, and get where you want to be. 
Um, and the other side of it, um, I, I would tell my kids, you know, um, just more or less the experiences that I've been through. If they've ever got a problem, they can come to me at any time. I'm, I've probably been through it. Um, but I always say to them, hard work, dedication gets you a long way. I think that's that's an absolute fantastic note to end on. Paul, thank you very much for the last hour of your time. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and reminiscing um, about some of the good old days, uh, maybe not so good old days in, in Derby's history, but it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, boys. See you later. Yeah, Paul. Cheers, Appreciate Paul. It. Thank you so much. And of course, that's all we've got time for, Corey. Um, thank you, as always, for joining. Um, always here. Uh, exactly, exactly. Um, and until next time, Rams fans, up the Rams. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Rams Review Podcast. We would love it if you'd like to get in touch. On Twitter, we're at RamsReview1. On Facebook, it's Rams Review Podcast. Or you could drop us an email, ramsreview at hotmail.com. Until next time, up the Rams. The Rams Review Podcast are proud to be part of the Fan Hub 100, putting fans first.